0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I think tonight that we can call what I'm going to be talking on faith adventures, or what I got written out is how to live out of your spirit, not your head. Live out of your spirit and not your head and What I've been thinking about all day about my own life, you know, I don't know about you, but for me, I really, in my heart, keep feeling like I've been preparing for the last 40 and a half years to get to play the Super Bowl. And that right now we're coming up on God's Super Bowl. God's getting ready to have His grand finale. He's been training training a lot of players for a lot of years to be able to play in this last last thing He's doing. How many believe that? How many believe we are living in the last of the last days? Just get ready to wrap up. How many of you are on God's team? Amen. How, How many of you feel like I do? Like, Coach, let me in. Let me in. Let me have the ball. Let me have the ball. Let me. I can do it, Coach. That's how I feel about this whole thing, that right now, We're in the last and final part of what God's doing. And you know, I don't say that just because it's a good thing to say. I say that because I read my Bible. And I say that because the prophets of old, in the Old Testament, told us a lot of things were going to take place. You read the book of Daniel. Daniel even tells you a lot about what it's going to be like right before this wraps up. Jesus told us a lot of things in the Gospels about In the last days, this will take place. In the last days before before the Son of Man returns, this will happen. And then Paul, and James, and Peter, John, especially the book of Revelation, told us things in the last days. And so, I have the Holy Spirit in me that tells me this is the last days, but I've got the Word of God that shows me what to expect and what to look for. And so tonight... I'm basically going to be talking about my life, Mrs. Pastor of the Samples family, how God's led us, we've obeyed in all these years here, because God wants to give you men and women of faith before you to show you uh, modern day things, how to follow Him to be able to do what He wants you to do. How many believe that? Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. And so, uh, 15 years ago tonight, we were staying somewhere. In middle New Mexico. I haven't had my journals out for, for a while to look at those things, but I ran across a, one of my calendar books that I keep, keep events in a couple weeks ago that I realized what was going on. But I know that tomorrow night, 15 years ago, we were in St. George, Utah. And St. George, St. George, Utah was our last leg before we come to Barstow, California in our Penske truck to begin life anew in California from layout in Indiana for lots of years. But I remember on, well, the night before that, we were somewhere in the middle of New Mexico. We drove five or 600 miles to get there. We were pilgrims. We were pioneers. We were coming through the Old West from the Midwest to get to California. And, you know, I know that when I first started doing this, I thought of the Beverly Hillbillies so many times. Did anybody ever watch the Beverly Hillbillies? I actually watched the Beverly Hillbillies back in about 1960. And I know how old it was because my grandpa died when I was 12 years old. And I remember my grandpa coming over to our house watching the Beverly Hillbillies with us before he died. So that's why I know how long ago it was. We watched that, but I remember the song. They said, California is the place you ought to be. So we loaded up, loaded up the Pisky and we moved to Barstow. I used to hear that song go around in my head before I came out here. I wasn't Jed Clampett. I was a pastor. And I did load up... The old dumpy Beverly Hillbillies truck, I loaded up the Penske truck. And we got to Barstow, California, and we struck gold. Amen. It wasn't that Texas tea, it wasn't the oil. We landed where God had for us, and we did a whole lot more than what Jed had ever dreamed of. The multitudes of lives and families the samples have touched and helped change in the last 15 years, we'll never know about till we get to heaven. There's people around the world right now that filtered through this church for the military. Many, many times over the years, people in the military out here for a while. And we were able to be a big blessing to them, teach them the Word of God, show them things. And then they got deployed to other places, their families. And then over the years, there's people been here that have sent us emails, say things on Facebook and things like that. That would have never happened if we lived out of our heads and not our spirits. And I want to show you what I'm talking about. I want to help you with the Word of God. Look at Proverbs chapter 3. And we're going to look at verse 5 and verse 6. That's Get excited about Jesus, because we're talking about His Word. We're talking about Jesus. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 6. I want to give you a chance to get there. And my son is Pastor David Samples. He asked us a question before we came on the camera. And Pastor Dave... I hollered a while ago, you may not have heard me. I'm going to tell you again, no, I don't love this desert heat. I love Jesus, I love people, but I still don't love desert heat. But I say this after living in Indiana for fifty four years, I did not love Indiana cold either. I did not like being sometimes at forty below zero. I remember when I was in one year, it stayed 40 below zero for a while. I had nothing but start. I had a Lincoln Town Car. wouldn't start. and It was parked in the garage. I had a Chevy, uh, whatever you call them, the luxury van type thing fixed up all the fancy stuff in it. It wouldn't start. I had an old Ford van that was a church van that sat beside my garage for a while. We hadn't used it. And I went out at 40 below and hadn't started that thing for at least two or three months. And that Ford van started up. And so because we got that old van started up at 40 below, then we was able to get other things moving after a while got things going. But no, the frigid cold out there is as horrible on that extreme as the desert heat is out here. But praise God, I'm so grateful for air conditioner. I'm so grateful for the anointing of God to be able to help people of God. Amen? And so Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 6 says, Trust in CNN. Trust in Fox News. Trust in your favorite politician. No, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and you might figure out something with your head. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And then get a pencil pencil paper out and write a column of pros and cons for things He tells you to do. Look at the reasons you can. Look at the reasons you can't. And then figure out your head and say, I'm sorry, God, I can't do it. Because I, re- I put down on my understanding the reasons why it would be good, the reasons why it wouldn't be good. We're going to look at some things in the Bible tonight. If God says, don't lead to your head, don't lead to your head. You know, I I want to tell you something about this. I was thinking while I was worshiping God a minute ago. You can educate your head, but you don't educate your spirit. You develop your spirit. There's a difference between growing spiritually and developing your spiritual understanding. Educate your head. High school diplomas, college degrees. No education at all has nothing to do with spiritual things. I know education has become a very big God in the times we live in. It's because of a lot of United States education that God's not in America like he ought to be. Amen. I'm not coming kind of against the education system. You know, education's good if you use it right, if you learn right, but the whole thing is. A lot of educated people have legislated God out of America. Amen. And once again, I'm not coming against education. But whatever education annihilates what the Word of God says, you've got to go with the Word of God. And God said right here, trust Him with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. And so when you let your head override your spirit, you're going to lose every time. Amen. Amen. And I want to say something one more time because I've never heard it quite like this before. There's a difference between educating your head and developing your spirit. You develop your spirit by being a person of prayer, by being a person who continually feeds on the Word of God, who continually is in Christian fellowship in a place like this or any other good church where the Word of God's taught, where they worship Jesus, where there 's the presence of God in the church, and when you get in an atmosphere like that, your spirit becomes sensitive to the Holy Spirit and then the Holy Spirit when you live a life like that will put things in your heart and It's not things that you learn by going to school. It's things you learn in the Holy Ghost school. Amen. And so as you obey things that he puts in your heart, that are in agreement with his word, then you're growing up spiritually. And as you develop your spirit, your spirit is a safe guide for decisions to make in life. And because I'm not going the direction to teach on spirit, soul, and body necessary tonight, uh, I'll just say a couple things here because I need to say them as we're getting to where I want to go. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, he tells us that we're spirit, the real us is a spirit being. We have a soul, and our soul consists of our mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a physical body. And then also another verse in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, verse 12, it says the Word of God is able to help us separate and distinguish the difference between our spirit and our soul. Our spirit gets born again when we ask Jesus into our heart. And so our spirit becomes a brand new person. The Holy Spirit lives in, in our spirit, not in our head. And, and uh, our soul, being our mind, will, and emotions... Is where reasoning comes from. Tried to figure it out. Tried tried, tried to decipher things. And work things out. And so God speaks to our heart. To our spirit. And when God puts things in our spirit. Our conscience. Is the voice of our spirit. Our conscience. Is what speaks to us. And then sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks louder than that to us. But our conscience. Is the voice of our spirit. Now listen to this. And reasoning is the voice of your soul. Reasoning is the voice of your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Christians allow themselves to be led by reasoning, and emotions get into trouble many times. And your will part of it is the part of you that makes decisions and choices. I've got a thing I say all the time, this is that choices have consequences. That your life won't end in success or failure by chance, but by choice. God puts things in your heart. if you don't live out of your spirit, out of your heart, but you live out of your soul, you're going to reason out why what God said to you can't be true. I'll give you an example. tithing and money things. That's one way that God talks to people. They reason out why they can't do it. I need that, God. I can't do that. But in your heart, you hear... But that's what my word says. To do you need to do this? But then you reason. But I can't afford this. Well, you live it out of your soul. I'll give you another thing. God puts in your heart. You're to love and forgive. You'll reach out to people. God, God said through Jesus and Matthew. He said, love your enemies. He said, bless them. Do good. He said, those that spitefully use you, pray for them. And bless them. And then your head gives the reason, and overrides your spirit and think, I can't do that. I can never forgive them for what they did to me. Well, then you start living out of your soul. And you live out of your soul, you're never going to win. And so, anyway, your spirit, your soul, and body are three different things. And we talked about how to live out of your spirit and not out of your head. And so I learned years ago, while sitting under good teaching of seasoned, of seasoned, Men and women of faith and watching their lifestyle, observing their lifestyle and their ministry fruit. And I began to do what they did and I got the results they had in life and ministry. But I said, under people, great faith people that lived a lot longer than I had, been Christians longer than I had. And I saw what they had and I decided I wanted that. So I began to do what they did. I trained myself to live out of my spirit. And not my head. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. And you don't develop your spirit overnight. Just like education. You don't go to school and learn everything the professor knows just by going for a semester or two. Or doing just a few things that you saw them do. You know, I think about my son, Joe. He's a he's a great United States Marine now. But so many Christians are like Joe was when we first got him into the Little League with his young guy. Joe's always been a, if you know Joe, he's always been a rough guy. He's always been a fighting guy, an athletic guy. Anything that he did, he played to win. But he wasn't always that way. I remember Joe's first year in the Little League in Martinsville, Indiana. I remember his first game, his first few games. He was a little kid and... You know, our family always did baseball-type stuff and things like that. But I remember the games going on, and they put Joe where they did most of my sons' scene when they started off. Uh, I mean, of course, uh, Josh, Pastor Dave, those guys there become great athletes. But anyway, I remember Joe, his first game. He's out in right field, and we're out here at Charity Bond, and Joe's sitting with his back to the team, picking flowers and stuff out the dirt and looking at the fence. That's true. That's a true story. That's how Joe started off. He sat there from back to the game on the ground, looking at the fence and picking stuff up out of the ground. And I'd talk to Joe. I'd say, Joe, listen to your coach. Listen to your coach. And Joe says, I know everything he knows. He can't tell me anything. He's a little kid. He said, I already know it all. He said, I don't play baseball. I don't have to do that. I know how to play. (laughs) That's how he was. Well, I know that too many Christians... Get around people like us, and then they go out and when the real ball games going on of life, and the devil's trying to take them out, they don't pay attention at all to what we've taught them, because they say, "I know it all. Whos he think he is? Who's that preacher think he is? Who's that man think he is? I've got a Bible, I've been to church. I know how to sing songs, I know how to pray. I know it all. And those people always end up their whole Christian life just picking dirt, making mud pies, and never going anywhere in life. And so, I want you to look at this verse right here. First Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 11.1 Be ye followers of me, Paul said, even as I also am of Christ. And my center column says that Greek word for followers is mimic or imitate. He said, Paul said this. And he said this about four different times in the New Testament, his epistles. He said over and over again, be followers of them, he said, in the book of Hebrews chapter 6, who through faith and patience inherit the promises. In Hebrews chapter 13, he said, be followers of us. Be followers of us are getting results. And so Paul said, be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And I know that I've come to the place in my life and ministry, I've been this for many years now, I can comfortably say with Paul, watch what I do. Study my family. Watch how we live. Watch what we do. Be imitators of what we do as we imitate Christ. And what's imitate mean? That means to mimic, to do what he did. And Jesus, one thing Jesus told us, Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Well, when I first read that, as I began to study the gospels, I saw all the times in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that Jesus laid hands on people. And you know, casual observers don't see that, but all the time. And I think about Matthew chapter eight, when Jesus says went into Peter's mother's house, says she was laid to sick with a fever, and says Jesus touched her and she got up and began to serve them. And you see times and times again, I see the times that Jesus would see a blind man. It said Jesus would do things like says said said he'd make clay out of the spittle, and he rubbed it on their eyes. That was laying on their hands. He laid hands on people all the time. And so I do what Jesus did. Jesus said, do what I said. You lay hands on them in my name and I'll heal them. That's imitating what Jesus did. Amen? And Jesus said, in my name, you'll cast out devils. And so I see that Jesus came up to people all the time, that the devil was harassing them, possessing them, oppressing them. And Jesus would say, come out. As says, the demons came out and people were delivered. And so in my life, many times I've seen people being harassed by the devil. And I imitated Jesus because he told me to. So I'd say, in the name of Jesus, devil, let loose of him. Loose him and let him go, and he would. So then Paul says now, be imitators of me, even as I also imitate Christ. And so over the years, myself, I personally imitated Brother Kenneth Hagin. And lots of other men and women of faith, the Brother Hagan more than any, anyone else because I love Brother Hagan fruit. Brother Hagan had a lot of Jesus fruit. My number one reason I'm imitating him and a lot of people like him, men and women, is that I felt led of the Holy Spirit too. The Holy Spirit always leads in line with the written Word of God. Paul said in the written Word of God, imitate me. And other places that imitate them who through faith and patience. And so when the Holy Spirit leads me to imitate people that are having Jesus' fruit in their lives, I'm going to obey the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Amen? And so I loved, I loved these people that God's put in my life because I like the results of seeing them walk in divine health and receive divine healing if they need it. I'm so grateful that two years ago, because I learned of so many men of faith, how to receive healing, that when I had stage 4 blood cancer, then that same year had 99% blockage in my main heart artery, that I'm back in divine health today. Cardiologist says everything perfect, no problems. Amen. The oncologist says everything perfect for your blood, no problems. That's fruit. I got that off people that I imitate in how they teach and preach the Word of God, how they live their lives. And so I love seeing the masses of people. Under these preachers that I sit under, Dr. Barclay and these preachers, I love seeing the masses receive Jesus. I love seeing addicts delivered. I love seeing alcoholics delivered. I love seeing men and women that have been married short times or long times, that they were hit with a tornado or, or earthquake in their marriage, whatever you want to call it, a bad storm came. I love seeing them get under the word of God, seeing people that love each other, the love of Jesus, And see those homes restored so children and grandchildren can have parents and grandparents that stay together a long time. That are good examples. Amen. That's why I imitate people that follow Christ, because I want Christ's fruit in my life. And so, and so, seeing people delivered, seeing people discipled by having good examples before them. You know, what what I've learned in life, the best way, and the way I say it's this, to breed good Christians in your church, to be able to breed good tr- Christians is to have good leadership within to pattern after. And so the best way to raise up strong couples and families in your church is to have strong leadership families. And so Mrs. Pastor and I and our children have been good examples for a lot of years. How about bragging on us? I'm bragging on Jesus and what the Word of God will do when you allow the Word of God to dominate your life. When you allow the love of God to dominate your life, and so and so, because I've watched the examples of a lot of lot of great uh, preacher families, husbands, wives, children going into ministry and things like that, and I've learned from their experiences and and their stories and the love I've seen in their lives and the results I've seen in their ministries, that's what I want. And so, I've learned from these people that the big one of the big keys. Well, of course, as loving Jesus, the Word of God, is to learn and make decisions and choices out of your spirit. Not let your head destroy your life. As I said, I want to talk a little bit tonight about my and Mrs. Pastors and our children's life. I want to quote Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 again, because that's such a key, key scripture in our life. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lead not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He'll direct your, your path. We pioneered a church back in Indiana in 1992, and we were very successful for years. How many know that in the Bible, there were lots of times, the Old Testament tells, tells things in a lot more detail than new, a lot of examples, but God had people go somewhere, and they did great things, and then God moved them on down the road. They went somewhere else, and He had them do other things. Amen. And I'm not leading up to we're going to be leaving and doing other things. I'm not doing that. But we were doing things in Indiana and things were going very well. We were not from the city God sent us to. We were from another part of the state further north. God sent us down there to people we didn't know. And God had us pioneer a church in a place that wasn't our hometown, but it became our hometown. And so we changed a lot of lives. I was talking to somebody the other day. We actually ended up on TV twice a week. And so we're on television twice a week, and we influenced a lot of people in a pretty good area. And a lot of lives were changed because we were there. God gave us favor with the mayors. The different mayors would come into our city and be the mayors. God gave us favor with the mayors, with the police chiefs, with the judges, county sheriffs, educators. God brought us down there, and God did that. We were having great success. So why would you end up in California if it was like that out there? Trust in the Lord for all your heart. God led us to that place. God led us to this place. And, you know, tonight, keep this in mind. When I was praying early this morning about what to teach the people tonight that would be in this service, and the ones out there watching us, this is what he told me to teach. And so, this is not just good stories about us. This is not Bible verses. There's people watching this. There's people sitting here that if you listen with your heart what God's saying tonight, and then if God wants to do things in your life that your head tries to fight you on, then if you want what we got, you got to do what we did. We got what we got because we saw people people in the Bible do it, and we saw people that we followed do it. And so we learned to develop our spirit and make decisions out of our spirit and, you know, I was thinking about something today, Mrs. Pastor. I don't know if you ever thought of this, this or not, what I'm going to say. There's been lots of times when God put something in our hearts to do, and we would sit down for a piece of paper. Now, on this side, we say pros. On this side, we say cons. And there was a whole lot more reasons why we shouldn't do it than why we should do it. And so, I was thinking about this today. So, you know what We did. We'd look at all the reasons why we shouldn't, and we'd put our faith to that reason. And say, well, faith will take care of that. We'd look at all the times that we'd say, there's no way money will be there. Say, well, we've got to get money when our faith works. Well, look at all these people in the families. Her family, my family, different ones. Man, they won't like this. They already know you're nuts. And now you're going to prove it. Because we'd go absolutely contrary to the status quo of what people thought we ought to do. And so, well, faith, take care of that. We're not men-pleasers anyway. We're Jesus-pleasers. Amen. And so we do the pro-con thing, and never one time, I don't think, was there enough good reasons why we should do it than why we shouldn't do it. But we do it in our hearts. We live it out of our spirits. So we say, well, faith, take care of that. Faith, take care of that. Faith, take care of that. Amen. You know, be imitators of those whose faith and patience inherit the promises. We, as Christians, in these end times, and I'll tell you what, with the uncertainty in our nation right now, uncertainty in the political arena, uncertainty in the financial arena, uncertainty for your retirement, and everything else, you better learn what I'm talking about tonight to live out of your spirit. I think that most people in America, unless they're hiding in a hole somewhere, know that things aren't what they were six months ago. Whole different arena. But I read my Bible in Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight, Jesus Christ the same, yesterday and today and forever. I read Matthew 24:35. That heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. My words will never change. I read Malachi chapter 3. God said, I am the Lord and I change not. I read Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11. My word will not return void. It accomplishes that which I please. I read in Romans 8 verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I read in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. And then the last part of that verse, the Amplified Bible says, I've come that you might have and enjoy life. Have and enjoy life. Led by the Spirit of God. Have and enjoy life. On and on and on and on. The Word of God in my heart and my mind renewed to the Word of God, that's what leads me. My, my financial success... It's not dependent upon the Teamsters Union. I got a little pitch that I get from them. It's not dependent upon the check I get from this church for ministry. It's not dependent upon the Social Security that we now receive. My success by nationally dependent upon Jesus and following him. If Social Security falls, which in Jesus' name it won't. If Teamsters goes under all the way, in Jesus' name they won't. If something happened that there was no income through this church anymore, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Philippians 4.19 says that my God shall supply all of my need according to the success of the United States government. Keep giving away money they don't have because they get it from China. And China's going to say, hey, we want it back. Amen. My success financially is not dependent upon these natural things of this world. I live out of my spirit. I go where Jesus tells me to go. I do what Jesus tells me to do. I tithe, even if it's my last dime, if that's a tithe that goes to God, God gets my last dime then. You know why? Because God's the one that gave me my first dime. And He told me years and years and years ago, matter of fact, for this move right here before we came to California, there's some faith decisions we had to make. And I got a, I got a tax refund from, from IRS uh, when I was going through the transition seeing see where to go and what to do. And I forget what it was. But this enough money kept us going for a couple of months off that refund because we lived very, very uh, cautiously for our money. And I remember that I was looking at and I was being hit with my understanding that uh, what are you going to do when that's going? And one day the Holy Spirit said to me very strongly, there's plenty more where that came from. And then when he said that, I realized that wasn't from the IRS, my tax refund. That was from Jesus And so then Mrs. Pastor then, because we were both being challenged in our heads about life right then, because we were in the transition, which I'll get to in just a minute. Because of that, Mrs. Pastor then, she's the typer. And so she typed up all kinds of little signs. She put a sign in our kitchen. There's plenty more where that came from. She put a sign in our bathroom mirror. There's plenty more where that came from. Put signs all over the whole house. There's plenty more where that came from. And every time the devil tried to tell us it's almost gone, we say, no, it's not. There's plenty more where that came from. Matter of fact, up until just the last couple of years, I started with a piece of paper. made a little piece of paper. that we stuck in our billfolds. And every time I'd open my billfold in California for probably about the first 13 or 14 years here, I'd say a little crumpled up piece of paper, plenty more where that came from. And we have got to know if we're going to follow Jesus, if we're tithers... If we're serious about our money being givers to the kingdom of God, then He's the one that's our source. If your job fails, your pension fails, whatever you look to for income and wealth fails, you better have had your eyes on Jesus because there's plenty more where that came from. Children of Israel, coming out of Egypt, going through the wilderness, ran out of water. They moaned to Moses. And God said, hit the rock. Hit a rock. And water came out of a rock in the desert. And gave water to all those people. Because God's the source of our water. Amen. Amen. They were coming. They, on their journey through. I've got some good notes here. and I'm getting to them. On their journey through the desert. There was a river. And it had poisoned water. And the people cried to Moses. And Moses said. Cut a stick off this tree and throw it in there. It says made the bitter water sweet. Jesus is our source. And if he has to. He's not run out of rocks in the desert. He's not run out of sticks in the desert. God can do what it takes, but it takes Christians that, listen to what I'm saying tonight, live out of your spirit. And shut the head down when the head contradicts the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Amen. And so we pioneered a church there in 1992, and it's very successful for years. And I want to fast forward to 1999 to the year 2000 In those years through, through a sincere, but out of God's timing and trying to purchase a larger building of property because our ministry had grown so much. We had grown so much. We was a faster growing church around there. We had an outreach into cities around there because of what to grow and uh, listen to other preachers that told me what I ought to do instead of listen to God. I jumped out to buy the largest building in our city. We dealt on that thing for probably a year, and we thought we had it. And anyway, through a bad real estate deal, we ended up losing our place because I sold it prematurely, the building we had. It had a nice building. And so we got ahead of God's timing, and I thought that I knew a lot about a lot of things, but I found out I didn't know as much as I thought. But by experience, it knocked on my spiritual butt a pretty good knock. I've learned a lot of things now I can help you with. And so anyway, through all those things there, we we lost, begin to lose families and things out of the church because we went through some really rough, tough times. And it was really, really a serious rough time. And then, and then the devil took advantage and hit some of my leadership team through some things. Had some deaths and some things went on that really wasn't good. But because of good teaching and examples, I followed and was submitted to. And then I knew to stay hooked up with my pastor, Doctor Barclay was my pastor. And through, through counsel with Dr. Barclay, through the times we were going through, Dr. Barclay had a word from me and Mrs. Pastor. He said, God is not, God's finished with you in Indiana, but God's not finished with you. Well, because we are such strong faith people, we would have died, been the last man down the ship in Indiana. But when we, because of being submitted to good, godly counsel to our pastor, he said, God, He's finished with you here, but he's not finished with you. God has a new assignment for you. You need to seek him and find out where God wants you to go. Well, because of godly counsel, the devil couldn't lie to me and say you're quitting. He couldn't say you're bailing out. Because after that place died, we stuck with it another, probably about another five years trying to make things work. Nothing would work. Reason being, the grace of God for us at that place was not all us anymore. Sometimes in your life as a Christian, now listen, I've given you some stuff that you need to hear you need to know. If the grace of God is lifted on you for where you're at, maybe, maybe where you live at, where you work at, or any other area of life where the grace of God lifts, it's not going to work. You need to find out what the next phase is. Need to find out what the next thing is to do. And so anyway, through that, but not going to all the details, this church here became available. And California was not even on our radar. Would have been the last place the whole world probably would have ever wanted to go. You know, we're Californians now, so we can talk about California. But I won't talk about California because I'm on the stuff there, so I won't talk about it. But anyway, we heard some really bad things about California had been in the Bible Belt out of the Midwest, it would have been a fate worse than death to ever think about going to California. But God said, go to California. Amen. In our spirit. So we listened to our spirit and we did what God wanted us to do. And so anyway, we came out here and on the 31st of July in 2005, our truck pulled up right here, right off the 15. People of the church met us and had a house for us, moved into that house. And so that's the rest is history. But I want to look at for you as we close is Hebrews chapter eleven, verse seven and verse eight. Hebrews eleven, verse seven and verse eight. And I want to quote again Proverbs three, verse five and six. You trust in the Lord with all your heart, and least he not your own understanding. You don't try to figure out. You don't talk to somebody else. Can I pull something out here for people to get flaky teachings sometimes? You don't need three or four confirmations when God speaks to your heart. Because chances are, because it's your heart, and what He wants you to do is so wild compared to what their heads would tell them, you're going to have three or four religious people tell you not to do it. Amen. Amen. You know, it's nice... If a seasoned man or woman of God that walks with the Holy Spirit prophesies you and gives you a confirmation, we've got a Looney tune goofball flaco that has no fruit. That sometimes on Facebook they tell dirty jokes and sex things, and the next thing they give you 15 scriptures. I wouldn't let somebody like that tell me what to do for anything. Well, I know in my heart what God wants me to do why do I need three or four confirmations of people that are half saved? Amen. i am done no better preaching than you are shouting. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 and verse 8. There's something I want you to see in both these verses. And I'm talking about how Mrs. Pastor and I and our family live out of our spirit and not our heads. It says, by faith. Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet. I knew in 2005 that we were at the end of the church age and there were things coming down the pike that nobody could see yet. And so God in our hearts, to be where we're supposed to be in the last days, put in our hearts, go to California. And so, by faith, Noah, being warned of God, not seen as yet, reasoned it out. And said, we can't afford to do this. We can't build this big ship. All of our friends, all of our families, they think we're nuts. They think we're goofy. We've never had a flood. It's never rained. So we can't do it. No, God put it in his heart to build an ark and says, Noah, move with fear, with reverence. prepared an ark to the saving of his house. And by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. It says because because Noah heard from God, he didn't tell God why he couldn't do it. Says he moved with fear. He started doing it. God said Noah build the ark. Took about 120 years to do it, but he did it. And then something that a casual reader doesn't see said because what Moses what Noah did he condemned the world. When Noah did what God told him to do, then God said, okay, now's flood time. The man of faith did what God said to do, and then God said, okay, now I'm going to do what I said I'd do. i have getting ready to judge the whole world right now, but I couldn't do it till you did your part. Amen. That tells me that we as Christians have got to do individually, and corporately as churches, what God tells us to do, because Jesus said, when well, this gospel is preached in all the world for witness, then, then it'll come. He told us lots of things to do. But this next verse, I want you to see this. And put yourself in these shoes. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go, the sample family was called to go from Indiana to California. To go out to a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, he obeyed and he went. He obeyed and he went, not knowing where he went. And so, what I'm saying is this. There's something there that if you don't see this, you're not going to understand much about Christian faith. If either one of these men had not obeyed and went, or moved with reverence and did, they wouldn't be in the Bible. They had a choice. Choices have consequences. God would have had to find another Noah. God would have had to find another Abraham. God would have had to find another pastor samples. God would have to find another Chuck. Chuck's working on a project. God put it in his heart and he's doing it. Amen. I look at Frank over there. Frank's where God wants him to do. Frank's doing a lot of work around this church right now to help your church look nice. And there's a lot of people in this church doing a lot of things that God put in your hearts to do to clean this church, to sanitize this church. to always wanted to do. But see, what I'm telling you all is this. The blessing, the peace, the joy of life is doing what God puts in your heart to do. But God is so good, he gave you a soul in addition to your spirit and your souls where your decision making comes out of And so God puts things in your heart to do, you can use your head, but make sure that you go with your heart and don't let your head talk you out of it. God gave you a smarts for a reason, but don't let your smarts outsmart what God wants you to do. And so I want to just close this down with this. If you will begin in the little things of life to obey what God tells you to do, then you'll start training yourself to live out of your spirit. You pull up to the store, God might tell you, don't take that parking place in your heart. You know, man, that's a lot closer. He may lead you to park way back on the other side of the parking lot. And why would he do that? Well, maybe there's some old crippled person that needs that place you're about to take and now the handicap places are open. Maybe there's somebody over there you're going to bump into between there and the store that God wants you, but it's just when you know in your heart, I feel led to do this. Start doing that and the more you do that, then tougher and tougher things will come along and because you've already learned to trust what's in you you start to live around your spirit amen is this helping anybody amen so anyway the samples family's now in California and it's not because they were so educated so smart or anything else like that it's because the samples family has learned to follow God from their heart and not their head and don't let our heads talk about it doing things we let our heart lead us when we do Multitudes of people's lives have been changed. A whole lot more people's lives are going to be changed. And one of these days, when we stand in front of Jesus, we're not going to be ashamed. We're going to come into the kingdom, and Jesus is going to say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've obeyed me. And that's my prayer for everybody watching this out there. That's my prayer for everybody in here, that you'll be able to stand in front of Jesus. And when you do, he'll be able to smile at you and say, Welcome home. Thank you for helping me while you were on earth. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Pastor Dave. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.